When you said that plans go astray Then why did you think it would turn out that way? You don't know who you are when you're 17 What's in your future is in the unseen You grow as you go Welcome to the third episode of the Grow As You Go podcast. I'm your host, Alan Hildred. Here we talk to a number of extraordinary people, young and not as young. Take a listen. Welcome back to Grow As You Go podcast uh, with Alan Hildred. Now, I've got a ver- another very special guest. I say very special guest every week, but um, all of my guests are very <laughs> special. Uh, I've got Phil Dunster with me. How are you, Phil? Oh, I'm great. Thanks, Alan. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Um, now, uh, you've done... Like I, I, all I know is that you're you're a cop. Yeah, that's all I really know. Yeah. Um. But how? Like, give us an overview of your career. Like, so since leaving school, what what does that look like for you, mate? All right. Well, uh, I went to school in Toowoomba, uh, like at Centenary Heights. I went uh, right through to grade twelve. Uh, my mum and dad lived uh, just up the road, and uh, great uh, upbringing there in that part of town. Um. I did go straight from school to the police academy and uh, as a cadet and I've been there ever since. So uh, I've been working for them since uh, February 1982. So wow. 40 years this year I've been working for them. Yeah. Goodness, yeah, wow. 40 years. So has have you been in sort of different sections of the police force? or? Yeah, I did. Well, my training as a cadet was uh, 18 months to start with and uh, – and it was very thorough, uh, although for some reason us young fellows used to take 18 months to learn something that the adults came in and learned in six months. <laughs> but, uh, but we did cop a bit of a flogging in the, in the PE side of things that other people didn't. And we were only 17 and 18, so it was good fun. I don't know why I ever thought running 10 or 20 kilometres was fun. Uh, <laughs> I can drive that now. That's about as close as I can get. <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, after that period of time, uh, when I got sworn in in November '93, I went to Dolby just to general duties in my first year. And uh, your first year is where you learn your basics of everything on the road. So you learn the the practical side of stuff. Uh, in the academy, you learn all the how to do the paperwork, how to do all that. But you go out in the real world and dealing with real people, not just with someone on a computer screen or someone in some sort of uh, scenario uh you're dealing with real people and uh it's a different world so uh that's where you learn to deal with people and i was only 19 and uh and it opened my eyes and uh, i was there for 12 months uh then went to roma in uh, general duties for four years and in that period of time uh i worked on my own a lot i did a lot of relieving in one and two man stations because i was single and it was easy for me to be deployed to those places. So I would work out at uh, Mangalala. There's a good place for you. <laughs> West of Mitchell. Um, that was a pretty interesting place. Uh, Fallon down south of St. George. Uh, worked up at Injun and uh, and the towns between Miles and Roma, which was, uh, what was that? Wallambilla, Yulebar and Jalaka. Goodness. Sometimes uh, being in charge of all three of those at the same time. And uh, 
and and here I was uh, in charge of one man stations as young as twenty years old, and yeah. uh, a lot of responsibility on a young person. But obviously, somebody there thought I was capable, and uh, it was awesome uh, mixing with the community. Uh, you're still doing your day to day police work. Uh, a lot of uh, dealing with people coming into the office, just people paying their registration or renewing their driver's license, but coming in with their problems that you become their psychologist at the end of the day. So you sit and talk to them for a while, make them a cup of tea and learn a bit about what's going on. And and uh, the best thing about that was just getting around, staying, uh, meeting people, going to someone's farm. Uh, I, I used to live in the pubs in those places, even though I'm not a drinker, but st- in the pubs is the best place to meet people. And that's where all the local people used to come together. And they'd know who you are, start to understand you're just a normal human being doing your job too. And uh, and that's where you build relationships. So those uh, were formative years for building relationships. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, there's a lot of uh, – that was a bit of a mouthful to get your name around those name of towns. Yeah, they're not bad, are they? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but they all have their own independent memories. Uh, Mangalala back then. Now, th- we're talking in the uh, – mid-80s, I guess it was, they still had a manual exchange where the you've seen it on TV probably in a movie where they pull yep. the plug out and move it across and connect the line. <laughs> and and to ring your phone, the lady in the exchange would t- spin a dial and your phone would ring. And uh, I think she actually listened to most of our phone calls too. But uh, it's it seems like the dark ages now, but that's, that's only 35 years ago. Mm. And... Um, it uh, the world has uh, spun full circle in that period of time. Yeah. yeah. So going back to a uh, fifteen-year-old Phil, mm. um, what were your sort of looking forward? What was what did that look like to you? Like, what did you want to do when leaving school? Like, was it was it a cop right from right from young, or did that change? Yeah. No, I um, I did not want to be a police officer. That wasn't even on my radar. Actually, right. I have an uncle who was a police officer, and I. I highly respected him, and that uh, that I think was influential at the end of the day. But um, I wanted to be a mechanic. I don't know why, because I haven't got a mechanical bone in my body. (laughs) And I've never really understood. I I guess I I loved cars. I I was into that sort of thing. And and I thought, you know, to be a mechanic, you've got to love cars, so one must lead to the other. But, uh, But my mind was not one that really communicated with the mechanics of an engine it just you know i just i don't get it uh, i don't have a handyman bone in my body my wife calls me lightning when it comes to hitting a nail because i never hit the same place twice and it's uh i don't know what i was thinking but, but i was 15 and i liked cars so that's where i thought i was going and uh i still like cars but now i drive cars and do things with cars in a different way well, yeah, that's right. Mm. That's right. What's uh, so just just on that point of cars? Um, do you have because there's been a number of like patrol cars and all sorts of things over the last like over your career? Yeah. What would have been like your favourite one? Is something more modern have been more like more nicer to drive or more enjoyable for you, uh, or one of the older sort of vehicles? That's two different reasons, and uh, <laughs> I. Um when I, after I left uh, Roma, I went and worked in Kingaroy for four years, uh, j- again, general duties, and then went to um, traffic, 
work in uh, Caboolture. And it was around that time I met my wife. And um, in traffic, we uh, you have to love cars. And uh, because of the sort of vehicles we drive, uh, they are high performance, they are um, above and beyond what many normal people drive and certainly what normal police drive. But uh, some of the ones that had memories for me the most was uh, in the old days, the police department used to remove the AM, FM radio out of the cars before they sent them out to the stations because they didn't want those radios to be a distraction from you listening to the police radio. Right. And all the cars had vinyl bench seats. You can imagine that in Roma in the middle of summer and uh, there's a memory one can never forget peeling your... uh, (laughs) your legs off a vinyl seat out of a an old, uh, probably an XE, a 1980s model Falcon. But those Falcons were awesome. They could go anywhere. You could go through about a metre full of water and uh, you could go across mud. You can go anywhere. They're amazing. But in more modern terms, uh, since I've been in traffic, and I've been doing traffic work for probably 30 years now, mm. and um, we had on trial here in Toowoomba a Volvo... Uh, I can't remember the model. It was a wagon. It was a it was a Polestar version. So it was the performance four cylinder turbocharged, supercharged, all wheel drive. Goodness, was the most amazing car I've ever driven, and not just from a performance point of view. Performance is secondary compared to handling. And in the wet weather, it uh, it was like being on train tracks. It was wow. so safe, uh, so, and safety's obviously got to be a big issue, but. It was just awesome. And uh, we've had some pretty amazing cars over the years, which, uh, as for a car guy, I just love it. <laughs> That's so cool. So where you're at at the moment, like the position you're in now, yep. uh, all you've achieved, uh, was it anything like you anticipated back when you were a teenager? Like, could you, could you foresee, like, did you have any dreams that you're going now? Like, oh, yeah, I've achieved those. Great. Or have you hmm. sort of surpassed that? I guess my dreams uh, more res- uh, revolved around who I was and where who I am as an individual, more than around my occupation. Yeah. Um, my occupation has helped mould who I am, but it is not who I am. Yeah. Uh, I like I have. Uh, we're about to have a forty-year reunion next month. I better not forget that. Um, <laughs> For, uh, for our academy group. And uh, there are only two of us who remain on the rank of senior constable. All wow. the rest have got um, promoted. Um, some are even as high as assistant commissioners. And, um, but it, that was an intentional choice I made when I was younger uh, and we started having a family that when I came home from work, I didn't want to study. I wanted yeah. to spend time with my kids. Yep. And, uh, and that put value into my children's lives and that brought value to my life by doing that. Sure, it could have brought financial value, I guess, ultimately to me, but it was more important to to build on those children's lives and for myself and my wife than it was to worry about the monetary things. Yeah. And like as you were saying, the like the who you are is more important than sort of what you've done. Mm. Um has there been any like defining moments over your career, um, like especially through your job, that has developed you into the person that you are now? Yes. Look, I uh, the people you meet along the way are the people that really influence you. 
Um, I was fortunate when I first went to traffic work 30 years ago to work with uh, three fellows who, uh, who were really hardball traffic guys. Like, uh, this is, we are talking 30 years ago and us traffic guys, we were Nazis back then. I mean, we, uh, we didn't take prisoners. We, we didn't give warnings. We, if you commit an offence, you were in strife. And, um, and that's, that was a good training ground for me because I came from a community-based country town and, uh, and changing my whole mindset was difficult initially. But once I uh, understood the process of why we did that, it wasn't just that we, we did that because we, we thought that was our role to or that we thought we were um, some sort of paramilitary organisation. Um, we, we were doing that because we're trying to make the place safer for people to drive on and reduce crashes, reduce injuries, reduce deaths. And, uh, and by writing people, say, uh, a speeding ticket or a seatbelt ticket, or now it's mobile phones because that wasn't the case back in the 80s. But uh, doing those sort of things, I, I see as keeping people safe. So if I've got to be a bit tough, if I've got to bring out the big stick to do that, well, um, that's what I've got to do. So that yeah. formed my mindset there. And I guess in later years, as I've got, shall I say, a little more mature, <laughs> closer to retirement, um, I, uh, I'm starting to understand a little bit now about what, how people think. So sometimes uh, the hard line doesn't work on everybody. Yeah. Um, trying to explain that to somebody whose uh, mindset is a little different and spending a little bit more time talking to people rather than just bringing out the big stick uh, is sometimes more effective to get the outcomes we need. Yeah, for sure. Um, just a quick one to finish up for you, Phil. Have you looked back uh, at any particular moments and thought like, oh, okay, that's why I had to go through this moment now? There's a few. I mean, even those initial days back in Roma when I worked on my own mm. in one, one man station, I work on my own a lot now. Yeah. And... Uh, and the community we work in now is much more confrontational than it was back then. Right. I mean, we don't have to look very far to see some of the things that are going on in our community and that police are the front line when it comes to that sort of stuff. Yeah. But um, but one of the most influential things was I, I had a health issue. And um, I in 2019, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer and, uh, and I had subsequent surgery and it... Uh, uh, affected the way that I do things. Uh, my treatment affects my uh, fatigue and that, and I've had to go off shift work and I've had to change my lifestyle. And uh, that has probably been the most significant thing, but then it's also given me the opportunity to work, still do traffic work, but work Monday to Fridays yeah. without the weekends and the night work and all that. Uh, work has been great, given me the opportunity to do that but it's given me the opportunity to do other things in that field as well. So I can do community policing and I can do uh, road safety lectures with schools and all those sort of things that really I learned how to build those relational uh, characteristics really early in my service. And now all those things are pulling together right before I retire. So perfect timing, really. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> Well, uh, well, thank you so much for uh, sharing your life here, Phil, um, and just giving us an idea of what it looks like to well, grow as you go, like to develop who you are into now. So, Most certainly. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate uh, it. Thanks, Phil.
It was awesome to catch up with Phil Dunster this week. He's been a police officer for 40 years this year, which is absolutely incredible. He's had the same job since he left high school. So make sure to tune in next week to hear from Stephen Smith. He's actually my father-in-law as well, but he's done just about everything. Where on a Friday night we would meet every Friday and we would sit around a map of New South Wales and I'd be, oh, Steve, it's your turn. So you close your eyes or you hold your index finger up in the air and someone else would spin the map and they go, okay, now, and you touch, you point the map. And they want to go, <laughs> Cobar, where's that? I don't know, we're about to find out. <laughs> We'd all go home, pack our bags, on the road. By about 7 o'clock Friday night, we are on the road to wherever it was and we pointed <laughs> on the map. And that was the weekend. Yeah, we well, yeah. <laughs> We'll be back Sunday night. <laughs> we'll see you then. When you said that plans go astray, then why did you think it would turn out that way? You don't know who you are when you're 17. What's in your future is in the unseen.